Hello and welcome to The Bunker USA. For those of us who think we know the United States, and I live very happily there for a decade, there is a 21st century mystery. What on earth is going on when Donald Trump, you know, the sex pervert guy, is regarded by tens of millions of Americans as a serious future president of the United States? And what's going on when Fox News is regarded by some, at least, as a source of news? although it seems at times like an even crazier version of the TV series Succession. And while we're on the subject, why does the United States tolerate not only what seems to be the almost daily death toll from mass shootings, but also those bizarre militias, including the so-called Proud Boys, prancing around in various kinds of uniforms with armor-like rifles like extras in a camp yet rather threatening Broadway musical? Juliet Jeske has some of the answers in her podcast, decoding Fox News, in which she listens to the Fox broadcasters so the rest of us don't have to. But we'll begin by getting some clues as to what the Proud Boys are. What are they proud about? And I'm delighted to say Juliet joins me now from New York City. So hello, Juliet. Hello. So let's let's begin with the, uh, the Butch Cassidy question. Who are those guys? Um, they got started in Brooklyn in 2016. Most people don't realize the group was started in Brooklyn. They just assume it was in the middle of America or Southern, but they actually got started here by somebody who at one point, Gavin McInnes, who had founded Vice Media, he parted ways with that company years ago. He was just this angry, bigoted, racist man who thought starting a group was a good idea. And uh, he started incentivizing violence very early on. Were these guys involved in violence even before they became the Proud Boys? I mean, I'm thinking back to some of the things that happened when uh, when Donald Trump said there's good people on both sides because there was uh, people trying to take down Confederate statues and so on. And there was clearly violence there. Are these the same kind of people? Yes, there were Proud Boys at Charlottesville. Some of them, they didn't wear their uniforms. Gavin McInnes, the founder, was not there. But uh, Kessler, one of the founders, he actually helped put the event together. And uh, he had been a Proud Boy. Then the Proud Boys tried to disown him and say, no, no, you had nothing to do with our group. Um, and there were actual Proud Boy members down there. So they were part of that whole movement. And that was before anybody really knew who they were or what they were. It's Jason Kessler. And they, it was before they knew what they what they were doing and they were trying to masquerade as like a just a you know social group a drinking group and there were many members of the press that bought that and because gavin had been in media and he was he's a very wealthy man because when he left vice he got a multi-million dollar settlement when nobody knows how much exactly but he was very well connected so he was very good at, at working the press of like oh this is just a harmless group and we're just we just get together to drink and don't worry about us and then meanwhile, he's going on a show where he's telling people, like, go beat people up. How much of a threat are they? I mean, are they, first of all, I suppose, are they a kind of direct descendant of those militia groups that were around in the Clinton era and the 1990s? You know, we, we know about McVeigh bombing the Oklahoma Federal Building and other people doing really pretty despicable acts. I mean, are, are, they, are these the kind of, I was going to say intellectual inheritors? That's yeah. probably the wrong word. But. I think, no, I think it's all connected. If you go back further to the 80s, you had the Order, which was a militia group that was very violent. They held up armored cars. They uh, committed a couple of assassinations. They counterfeited money. They held up banks. Um, and they, they're also connected. All of the right-wing extremism uh, even though they may not realize it, it's it's one beget the other beget the other. It's all connected. It all goes way back. 
And some of it has overlap with membership and everything. I would say, yes, he's definitely part of that. They they weren't so much a militia in a traditional sense of like the Michigan militia would get together and they actually had their weapons and they would go through drills, military drills, and they target practice in the whole nine yards and viewed themselves more as like a military group. Whereas the Proud Boys was more coming at, coming at it more from uh, like a men's rights sort of angle of uh, this is like all about masculinity and then the whole Western world, we're, we're saving Western civilization. And uh, McGinnis actually said at one point, uh, when I say Western, what I really mean is white. I have that clip. He actually said that. So it was a way of him getting this like right wing militia group together, but not actually trying to play both sides of it. Like I'm not, I'm harmless. We're not really doing anything. We're just hipsters. And, and, but at the same time, he would, you know, very much lean into the skid with if Antifa shows up to a rally, you know, and they even look at us wrong, don't put up with it. Don't put up with it. And he would say stuff like, you know, he incentivized violence by saying, if you want to work your way up through the group, one of the ways was the fourth degree. And the fourth degree is uh, get in a fight or get arrested for the cause. And he tried to say, oh, no, I'm in an organized fight, not just random violence. But, you know, you can't c- control thousands, he claims, no one's really sure how many members, how they're going to interpret that. And so that was like, that started early on in the group. That started very, very early on in the group. And I was horrified. I kind of stumbled on the group as a researcher kind of accidentally, even though I wasn't a researcher at the time. And it was before I was a journalist. It was all this big, huge accident. Can we assume, looking back at militia groups in the past, that quite a few of their members are FBI informers, actually? It's what's interesting about that is an informant is different than an agent. Um, and an informant is basically somebody who's gotten in trouble. The FBI sits them down and says, we'll make you a deal. You know, if you don't want to go to prison, if you want to still see your family, you know, all this stuff, will you work with us? Basically, that sort of thing. And since a lot of these men have criminal pasts or have, you know, all kinds of issues in their past or they're sloppy, they're bad. They they get in a, they get in a situation where the FBI picks them up and says, Hey, you know, do you want to work with us or do you want to, or we can start the proceedings now, basically. Um, and a lot of them end up working as informants because they're ultimately cowards and they don't want to actually get in trouble. So they'd rather just uh, sell out their fellow proud boys. So I, I think that the FBI's uh, I think they've proven with the past convictions they just had that they're pretty good at infiltrating these groups. And what's even funnier about the Proud Boys, which is kind of astounding, at January 6th, they had a they had a documentary crew kind of following them around and they were saying stuff right into the camera that was like incredibly incriminating and they didn't think anything of it. They just, the if you play to their ego, they just give it right up. It's just stunning, actually, that they were that foolish, but that they were that foolish. In terms of January January the 6th, some of them were arrested, charged, and convicted with sedition, I, be, I believe. Yeah, so pretty big deal. That, that, that is a very big deal, isn't it? That's yeah. essentially uh, being treasonable towards the Republic. Yeah. I don't know how long their sentences are going to be yet, but in the United States, it's it's rare that anyone even gets charged with that. They hadn't charged anybody that with that for a long, I don't know the exact date on that, but I know it had been quite some time that anybody had even gotten those charges, much less gotten convicted. I unfortunately can't follow the trial that closely because my day job is incredibly demanding. I do know that to get them 
all convicted like they were was just devastating for them. I mean, that was, yeah, very foolish men, very foolish men that they thought that that would actually work too. Let's hear a bit more about your day job, because I said <laughs> at the start that you you watch Fox News because, well, I mean, I'm sorry, I have tried, I have dipped in and out. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I want to hear angry people shouting at each other, I can go to street corners in London. Tell us a bit about what you do and why you do it. Well, when I was in J school, which is basically journalism school, I, I have a master's degree. Um, they basically, a teacher found out my background because I had kind of stumbled, like I said, I'd stumbled into becoming a researcher of the far right. And then I found out I had a stomach for it. And so I, I got a couple gigs, uh, basically when they're like, we need someone to research uh, extremism, I, they'd hire me because no one else wants to read it. And then basically what happened was I came up with a capstone, which is like my thesis. And I had studied far right media and I compared it to like more mainstream media, like straight down the middle, nonpartisan media. And it was this big, huge, big, huge project. And somebody from my school was like, would you do this, but about Fox news? And I was like, sure. And he's like, I can get you a grant. And the grants actually paid through a third party. It's not directly through my university. And um, I said, let's do that. So after I graduated, almost immediately, I got set up with this grant. And now I watch, lately, it's been 20 hours of Fox News every single week. And I analyze it, I write down every single segment, every single guest, how long they talk about something, all that fun stuff. And uh, then every week, I do like a breakdown of it. And uh, I kind of make fun of them a little bit, because that's how I can stomach it a little bit. It's great, because I, I call the project, it's kind of like a support group for people who have friends and families and relatives and neighbors who are entrenched in Fox News. I don't think I can deprogram somebody that's in Fox, but we can at least help the people around them understand what they're up against and and what their relatives are being fed. Here's the thing. I'm fascinated by this. Um, I have dipped in and out of it. I have watched Tucker Carlson and others. Here's what I don't understand. Fox News, as I understand it, is the most watched cable news network in the United States with 2.2 million primetime viewers out of 350 million Americans. I mean, the BBC News at 10 in a much smaller country gets 5 million viewers, maybe more sometimes. So why is it important? The ratings are a bit misleading um, because the ratings just show who watched it on actual television. And there's a lot of research into the fact that that's just the tip of the iceberg because the clips get put online and they get to put on social media. The audience is actually much bigger. With Fox, it's sort of the tip of the spear. If Fox puts something out, all of the other right-wing media will will kind of run with it. They sort of follow Fox, Fox News's lead because Fox News is so popular compared to like the Newsmax, the One American News Network, Ben Shapiro, all these smaller little networks. But Fox definitely leads the charge. And the other thing that's very disturbing about Fox is you'll see something pushed on Fox that is not true, that's maybe misleading. And within 24, 48 hours, Republican uh, politicians are, are like verbatim, word for word, pushing the exact same thing. So that's alarming. And you see that a lot, um, especially with like January 6th, all, some of the misinformation, disinformation about that got pushed immediately, literally within 24 hours, 48 hours of it appearing on Fox. And you're just, it's like this machine. You have to constantly try to 
slow it down a bit. Where are they now then, given the, you know, there has been this extraordinary lawsuit with Dominion, you know, the voting, the, the, the voting machine company, uh, which quite rightly said, we, we don't fiddle with the election results. Uh, you know, the re- election results of 2020 are what they were. Uh, Fox is paying, I think it's $787 million in damages. Uh, Tucker Carlson has been forced out in some way. Some people are saying that's as a result of uh, of all this. So, so where does this leave Fox News then? Is its credibility not shot even for among some of the true believers? Uh, the true believers will, uh, unfortunately, they don't really consume other media. There have been studies on your typical Fox viewer and they don't consume other media. They watch Fox all day long. They'll watch one of the secrets of Fox's success is somebody might watch a show on MSNBC or they might watch a program on CNN. Uh, A typical Fox viewer will have it on all day long and they don't turn the channel. They just watch one show after the other. And um, so that's part of the problem in that the Fox News audience doesn't really know what's going on outside of that little bubble. And then the other issue is that other than Tucker Carlson's time slot, their ratings haven't really been hurt much. They've had credibility issues for years, but they don't care. And there is one thing I would criticize about American media in general is that because of the commercial nature of American media, sponsorships, uh, commercials, all that fun stuff, there seems to be a hesitancy by, you know, just even like not cable news shows, but like NBC, CBS, your regular network television shows to just come right out and say Fox News is propaganda. This is not news. They kind of pretend it's legitimate. And it's like every, anybody watches it, they know it's not. Or we can't really say it's it's fake because we might upset. I, I don't know. I don't really understand why. I don't get it. Because Fox doesn't hold back. They, they get on there and they say every other news is propaganda. And they show clips from more nonpartisan or mainstream media Although Fox is also mainstream media, so it's always goofy when they use that term. But they'll show clips from NBC, uh, MSNBC, CNN, C- any news program all day. And they'll make fun of them. And Fox will go, oh, look at this garbage. This isn't real. They, they couldn't. Fox couldn't exist without using clips from other media. So I don't understand it. But the media is a little bit too polite, in my humble opinion, in the United States about Fox News. They just can't call it what it is. I'm really not really sure why. Is there a way of joining some of the dots we've been talking about? I mean, what do they say about the Proud Boys? There have been these convictions. They uh, they clearly are uh, parade in a threatening manner. They've had a long uh, history uh, rooted in some things, in, in, I guess, in the American psyche, you know, that the Republic was run by force of arms. It may be necessary to defend the Republic. I don't know quite how their propaganda works. But does Fox take them seriously? No, they pretty much ignore them. Fox News, the way they deal with things that are inconvenient to their messaging and their sort of point of view is they just ignore it. Brett Baer, which is sort of the special report with Brett Baer, which is sort of a legit news show that comes on like in the evening, early evening. Um, They might have reported on that. I don't cover Brett Baer because I was asked to cover the opinion shows because the opinion shows are more popular and have more influence. Fox and Friends, The Five, and then the primetime shows, basically. Uh, they completely ignored it. They completely ignored the trial. They didn't report on the convictions. If it gets big enough that they cannot ignore it, like absolutely cannot ignore it, they'll 
they'll report on it, but they just ignore it. They didn't, uh, all the legal issues that Trump's had, they've ignored until like Mar-a-Lago got searched. Then they all of a sudden got very invested. They ignored the E. Jean Carroll trial until there was a verdict. And then they very briefly mentioned it and moved on. They just, if it's inconvenient, they don't talk about it. Gavin McInnes used to be a frequent guest on Fox News, the founder of the Proud Boys. So there's definitely overlap there. It's just, if they, it's not convenient for them, they just, it didn't happen. For me, as somebody who, as I said at the beginning, l- loved living in the United States, and I've got so many friends still there, there's this, this great big puzzle, which is, how can a country which is so successful, there's so many successful, brilliant people, still take Donald Trump seriously as a potential president, take Fox News seriously, despite the fact that the one um, uh, show that everyone knows about, Tucker Carlson, he suggested privately that he thought Trump was an idiot, where publicly he was saying something completely different. Uh, and how can we take the, uh, the Proud Boys seriously when clearly there are a bunch of people who are just really after trouble? So what is going on, do you think, now in the United States? Has it always been going on that there's this... Um, the Enlightenment, the Thomas Jefferson ideal that we all look at around the world is there, but there's something else that's always been there as well. There's a deep resentment uh, and anger that I don't quite understand. Uh, a lot of it is racially motivated. I think part of the problem is, unlike New York and LA and the major cities where you've got a lot of diversity and people living on top of each other, like I live in Brooklyn where, you know, my building alone has, you know, Latino, white, black, Asian, everybody lives here. Nobody cares. It's, we all get along for the most part. Uh, we have Eastern Europeans. It's, it's great. In Iowa or other states, there's just not a lot of diversity. And it's a lot of white people who get whipped up into like a frenzy by some of this propaganda, by some of this media of this constant fear cycle of these other people are coming and they're going to ruin your life and they're going to change your life. And these other people are going to change America. You know, you have to be worried about that all the time. And then this kind of ridiculous, and I think this goes, kind of goes back to our founding of this obsession of we have to fight back against this tyrannical government or this potential tyrannical government. And that's part of the impetus for people to buy weapons and put them, you know, like have these crazy arsenals. And it's laughable because like if any of these jokers actually try to take on the U.S. military, they'd be toast pretty much instantly. But there's this mentality of like, and uh, that they can somehow have this revolutionary spirit. And it's very strange. And I also think there's like scars still from their civil war where certain parts of the country still resent the fact that this you know, this maverick way of like, we're going to break free from the union and have our own way. And you can't tell us what to do. And we can have slaves and all that. Uh, They didn't win. And there's still that resentment that's like deep down that I don't quite understand. Um, But it's definitely an American thing. There's a, there's a deep, deep anger. I think it's also, you see it in mass shootings. There's a resentment and there's this need for, I need to be famous. I need to be loved. I need to people to talk about me after I'm dead. So I'm going to take this gun and I'm going to go shoot up them all. Like what is going on? That madness. I, I, it's just, there's a deep anger and I don't really completely understand it. Could we end almost where we began? I mean, you're, you're in Brooklyn. You said the proud boys were 
began in Brooklyn. Uh, I take it you couldn't join the Proud Boys because (laughs) you've said they're, I don't, because you've already said they're fundamentally misogynistic. I mean, there are the proud girls, proud ladies. What what is the, what is their attitude to what one might call gender issues or women? (laughs) They don't like, they want women to just be housewives. They've actually said part of their creed is like venerate the housewife. Like their whole philosophy is deeply, deeply rooted in misogyny. And it's just this idea that women should just know their place, go back to being nice, sweet wives who have babies, who don't get mad, you know, when their (laughs) husband runs around on them or whatever. I don't know. But there's definitely this old fashioned, like, just let men be men. Very insecure attitude towards masculinity, which you also saw in Tucker Carlson, like, constantly. And uh, because Tucker was obsessed with, like, you know, I'm sure you know the testicle tanning and uh, from his documentary, that he put on Fox nation, the end of men. And this idea of we need more masculinity. We need stronger masculinity, this deep rooted insecurity uh, of definitely like women have to be a very specific way. And if you're outside that little box then there's something wrong with you and you're bad and all that fun stuff. I seem to remember there was a European leader in the 1930s who thought women were fit for church, children, and the kitchen. I can't remember his name. Maybe it'll come to Uh. her. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think the future for the Proud Boys will be after those convictions for sedition? Unfortunately, I think they're going to be around for a minute. I don't know how long or until they morph into the next group or they dissipate. This is not their first uh, run-in with law enforcement and There've been other Proud Boys that have been convicted of various crimes and that whole rage and anger towards what they perceive as this oppressive culture, oppressive government is still there. I don't know what it's going to take to get rid of them because a lot of researchers and reporters who cover them are are still baffled that they're still around. Uh, We thought for sure that they would have gone when Gavin McInnes's career went down the toilet. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take to get rid of them. But yeah, unfortunately, I think they're going to be around for a minute. Julia, thank you very much. Thank you. Decoding Fox News is available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And for me, Gavin Esler, goodbye. The Bunker Daily was presented by Gavin Esler. The group editor was Andrew Harrison. The managing editor was Jacob Jarvis. And the producers, Chris Jones and me, Alex Reese. Art direction by James Parrott. Original music by Jade Bailey. The Bunker is a Podmasters production.